We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're answering listener questions on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. It's a Friday, and I realize, Curtis, that there are still some teams that we did not run through uh, the rosters going through the relevant players. I might do a bonus episode or two just to finish that um, that process. But I think with all of the training camp news coming out, preseason games, we'll kind of get there indirectly or i'll make sure that we at least talk about some of those key players before we get into today's content i want to remind everybody that we have a special guest coming next week i can guarantee you this uh, guest is not going to disappoint if you would like to ask this unnamed guest a question please call us at 978-615-9214 it's 978-615-9214 leave us a message with your question without any further ado it is time for us to answer some listener questions now these all came in via twitter or email uh i like these in that um some of these are specific scenarios curtis or they are related to some general strategy i have not allowed you to talk yet very quickly how are you doing I'm doing great, man. Uh, I, I lo- we've had a lot of fun with these uh, listener questions that have come in, um, and we've got some sharp ones. 
uh, to respond to today. Uh, and I, you know, I appreciate, you know, calling out that we didn't get like the team by team breakdown, uh, for the entire league done this summer, uh, despite, you know, just hammering the content, uh, minimum three shows per week. Um, but I think also, you know, even the teams that we talked about, you know, preseason can change so much. I mean, you know, we've already, even in the time since we had previously reviewed the Rams, you know, we had to adjust to Cam Akers going out and, you know, unfortunately it's just, that's the way the NFL works. I mean, there's going to be situations that we reviewed in June that look totally different by, by the end of August. And so, um, we're, we are going to hit all of that stuff naturally. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll certainly be tracking, you know, how it impacts, you know, ADP in these final weeks leading up, um, to the actual season starting off, because what we've been going off of is, you know, kind of a small group of, of players, you know, like in compared to the, um, you know, 50,000 foot view of fantasy football, which, you know, most of those people draft like a week or two before, uh, the NFL season. Um, you know, we've had, you know, I don't know, 10 or 20,000 people maybe doing these best ball drafts all off season, establishing ADP that is going to veer sharply in the final couple of weeks. So it's just going to be really fascinating this final, you know, 30 days before the season starts and, um, yeah, I think, I think getting to these questions are great. And I think there's going to continue to be more questions, um, preseason players that pop injuries that occur, um, you know, sharp spikes in ADP that could, you know, either make a player that was a target no longer a target or player who wasn't a target more intriguing. So, uh, yeah, let's chop, let's chop it up, Dave. All right. This one comes in from Cowbells for Cowbells. <laughs> I like that. Uh, obviously, reference to the SNL skit. And uh, this question is, is there an approach to uh, free agent auction bidding strategy that you have found to be the most effective in super flex dynasty? Spend big early versus holding back until later in the season. What factors are the biggest influence related to timing on spending big? On fab, fob, however you pronounce it, I say fab, uh, but free agent auction bidding uh, and what to look for and when to strike. Curtis, I'll let you feel this one. Yeah, um, it really goes into your format. Um, it, that's going to drive my answer. So uh, I, I uh, in recent years, have really been adding most of my new leagues over at uh, the FFPC. And so, you know, this is a great time for a very non-forced and natural plug on a Rotoviz uh, FFPC Triflex Dynasty League. So um, those are all super flex. And if you're wanting to dip your toe into the uh, higher stakes dynasty waters um, or even leagues, you know, starting down in like that $77 price point, um, this is a great way to play. I'm going to answer the the question first, kind of responding to a, a little bit of a shallower format like this one, and then some of those deep deep, um, you know, answer it from a deep dynasty perspective as well. So let, let's say we're just talking about, you know, roster sizes of, you know, 20 to 22, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, 250, certainly less than 300 players owned in a league, uh, in a super flex format. Um, you're, you're probably going to be better served in, um, being a little bit less aggressive, uh, with your fab. And the reason I say that is there's going to be more players available, uh, from a waiver perspective that that are going to matter for your roster over the course of the season. Um, you know, if, if less than 300 players are owned, you know, there's going to be multiple players that pop up, uh, not just a quarterback either. Um, and, and actually probably less so a quarterback, because let's think about it. Cowboy cowbells for cowbells, you know, how often does a, a quarterback 
emerge during the NFL season who wasn't already a starter who then goes on to have like a long career um, and, and accrues, you know, significant super flex value. You know, Kirk Cousins is an example, you know, uh, all those years ago in Washington, fourth round pick, less pedigree than RG3 comes in. And, you know, now he's, you know, he's been a, a, a fantasy force and super flex uh, for many seasons, but that's definitely the rarity um, you know, we see, you know, guys like, um, uh, Terod Taylor, for example, uh, pop up that kind of satisfy some of those criteria, but never really actually become valuable in Superflex. And I think that's more really the case. So even in Superflex, the players that are the most interesting to me from a fab perspective are really still non quarterbacks. Um, it's those running backs, uh, that could, you know, really, um, boost your flex spot, your non super flex spot there, um, or, you know, really even carry a team to a title, um, or perhaps a surprise, uh, wide receiver breakout in a shallower league like that, where you just couldn't roster everybody that you wanted to. Um, so a little bit less aggressive, reserving a little bit to make sure I've got something at the end of the year. And, and you also got to think about, are you in a dynasty format? You know, maybe some of the older FFPC, uh, you know, some of the original FFPC dynasty leagues where you're still actually using kicker and defense. Um, and I know there's plenty like that on MFL and other, uh, formats as well. You've got to stream those positions. Like, you know, th- those are not, those are positions that you're turning over. And so you got to leave yourself, you know, a couple bucks to spend every week and, uh, and play your matchups there. Um, now let's go to the other, uh, side of the spectrum. And, you know, we're in, we're in a league where 25 or more players are owned per roster and, it, you know, we're well past 300 players, uh, owned in the league. That's when you, I mean, just shoot the wad, man. I mean, if, if a player really, if a player really, um, takes a step forward in September, uh, you're only going to get a couple of chances to pounce and, you know, you just, you, you just pick the spot. Um, so maybe some decision criteria you could use on, you know, am I really going to spend 50% of my, uh, wallet on this player? You know, was there, uh, prior draft capital assigned to that player that would lead you to believe that the breakout is something that could be sustained based off of talent evaluation when he came into the league? Um, uh, is it a, uh, is the player like a receiver tied to, um, an elite quarterback? Um, so it's, you know, a new level of trust, um, found with a receiver, um, but by an elite quarterback where there's going to be offensive stability year to year to year. Is it, is it on a team where the coach is not on the hot seat or the GM is not on the hot seat? And there's no reason to believe that, um, this player's breakout wouldn't matter uh, to the regime the next year. So those are some just like high level screening questions you can ask yourself. Um, but another simple way to do it is just make sure that you're a sub to rid of this because we do dynasty waiver, uh, content all year long. Um, last year I held that down. I think we still got to figure out who is going to do that this year. Could very well be myself, uh, could potentially be, you know, Sam or somebody else on our dynasty team, but we'll be giving you, uh, some of that instruction. Uh, last year, the format that I use, I actually suggested, you know, a percentage of fab, uh, to use on each of those claims. So, so Dave, you know, any, any takeaways or, uh, would you care to challenge me, um, on, uh, kind of my position there on the, the shallow or the, uh, deep dynasty fab strategy? No, I think that, uh, you hit all of the key points that we would need to hit. The one thing I'll add just to kind of put this question into a redraft scenario for people that listen, uh, I really liked the point that you made about the need to stream 
the kickers and defense. One thing that I generally do in my FFPC leagues, uh, be it like a football guys championship or a main event league or something like that is when we're three weeks out from the playoffs, I actually use a decent amount of fat budget to ensure that I'm going to secure the defenses that are going to have the best matchups in the playoffs. Uh, so that's kind of a strategy. I'm normally fairly aggressive early on, but I make sure that I have those reserves for when my team is really going to challenge. Uh, Curtis, I'm actually going to ask yeah, you it's, to... It's, re- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's such an underrated... I mean, th- that roster management um, start sit uh, and like like the redraft mentality that you still kind of need... Um, to be a successful dynasty player every year, like this, this kind of melds into other topics, but and this is why there's just levels to these answers and why it's such a great question from a, a sharp listener here. Um, you can, you can really take a mediocre team and by finding the edge with those couple points each week with your start sits and smart, uh, you know, waiver uh, management, you can take it, you know, a team that, you know, maybe is only a game over 500 in your league and, and win a title. I mean, it, it happens. So um, this is a great question. Um, it allowed us to hit on a couple different um, topics that can lead to successful, uh, you know, dynasty roster management. So, you know, really appreciate this right in. Yep. Now the next question comes from Parker on Twitter. Uh, scenarios where you would take Kelsey Waller and Kittle in managed redraft. What's the earliest you would take each player and which players would have to be gone. Now this obviously is going to have a very nuanced answer as you and I play in a lot of tight end premium leagues. Uh, I think we can blank it by saying in tight end premium leagues, I think that those guys are in play. You could even make a case for early in the first round. I see them very commonly going towards the back half of the first start of the second. And I think that's fine. Uh, Depending on how you're building your team, it can definitely make sense. Let's talk, though, about more of that standard uh, redraft league, maybe with PPR scoring, but that doesn't have that tight end premium. What do you think, Curtis? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So I think that's going to be applicable um, to a wider range of listeners. Um, just looking, um, so there's a couple ways we can we can look at this. We can look at um, our Rotoviz teams ranking. So um, actually, all four of our our owners um, participate in our redraft ranking. So that's uh, Dave and I, of course, and Sean Siegel and Blair Andrews. And you can actually uh, see our rankings for PPR, PPR with tight end premium, and then Superflex. Uh, with PPR and tight end premium. So I've got the PPR list loaded up right now. All of us have updated these rankings within uh, the last two weeks. And you see Travis Kelsey sitting right there at the end of the first round uh, in our uh, composite score there. Uh, so so the easy answer for with Kelsey is I think you can still, even just in a regular PPR league, uh, consider Kelsey in the first round, um, potentially as you know early as the middle of the first round, um, in particular, I am the highest on him. I've got him ranked, uh, at, at seven overall, uh, for PPR. I just think that the value over replacement angle there in the first round. And then the fact that I don't have to attack tight end in rounds where, um, a lot of my favorite, um, either zero RB targets exist or some really big wide receiver values exist. Um, that is a, a huge advantage. And, and we know that it's kind of hard to, uh, to win 
uh, unless you have the one, the one one in most years, it's kind of hard to win your draft in the first round, um, but it, it can be easy to lose it. And so for a lot of the reasons that we like to target the elite wide receivers, um, that reason is actually even more applicable to Kelsey here because we don't see the same type of injury issues at tight end that we see at running back typically. And we've seen him perform at this level um, with just monster target share and production uh, for Kansas city for several years, really ever since uh, uh, Pat Mahomes took over, he took that leap from very good to, you know, truly elite slash league winning player. Um, and so I think if you're the type of, of drafter that is considering Devonte Adams, Tyree kill or Stefan Diggs in the first round, you probably should be considering Travis Kelsey there as well. You know, the whole team uh, appears to feel that way. Anything you want to add about Kelsey in the first round, Dave, uh, before we talk about the other two, because I think that's probably the bigger question yeah. uh, for most is really, you know, what are you doing with Waller and Kittle? Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Kelsey? So it's interesting because for a long time, I was resistant to going after that onesie position, uh, despite the advantage it could give you at that position. But that was back when it was Gronk. It was Jimmy Graham. This was a while ago. I think that the difference that you have now with a player like Kelsey is he's very realistically finishing in the top, like, you know, six to eight of wide receiver scoring, maybe even better. I don't feel that he's extremely tied to touchdown scoring. We've seen him do well in years where it, you know, was a low scoring year for him from a touchdown perspective. Uh, so when I start to think about all of that, I think that it can make sense to go for him. The other key piece too, is that he's playing in this Andy Reid offense. One of the best young quarterbacks in the league with a guy like Tyreek Hill in that offense, other talented players It's just hard to come up with a story that pushes him out of that range. When you think about the other wide receivers that are going near him. Um, and then I think that, uh, you know, we we've now seen in a lot of these drafts, at least that I'm in, that there's ways that you can still attack them structurally and, and come away with a nice team when you're starting with Kelsey. So I'm all on that. One thing I want to clarify is people you talked about tight ends not having the, you know, the injuries like the running backs. Some people might push back on that and say, well, tight ends the position that gets injured the most. I think the difference is that you don't see as many season ending injuries. If somebody wanted to push back on that, yeah. like you do with the running backs, you don't see tight ends, you know, often, you know, having some type of MCL, ACL, Achilles injury in week one or two that knocks them out for the entire season. So that's an important distinction. I think that, that we need to make um, in case anybody was curious about that. So I am on board with that. I have come around to it. Uh, this is actually a related question, Curtis, um, the new dynasty ranking method using future first to value players. Mm. Uh, this, this person likes it, especially for trading. They're just wondering how they can adjust those values for tight ends. If it's a 2.0 PPR league for tight ends, like in safe leagues, um, or a 0.75 for the top four guys, um, you know, and some other different things that you can do for scoring. So it's really like, how do you adapt that baseline that we've given to different leagues? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Yeah, that's really tricky, man. Uh, it's tricky without knowing um, the starting lineup, but, um, you know, I think I think what, what I would do uh, in that situation is the elite tight ends uh, would really be treated, you know, as even more elite assets because, you know, that, that production is um, so uh, easy to replicate for those truly elite guys in the role they play in their offense year after year after year. So I think for a player like Kelsey um, or like Waller or Kittle, um, or if one of these other younger guys like a, a Pitts or a Hawkinson emerges this year, I'm adding probably at least a value of a, a second round pick. So like a 0.4 is the way that that would work um in in our rankings the way that the setup now um but i wouldn't really it wouldn't really impact those tight ends that haven't haven't really achieved meaningful dynasty value um valuation yet so you know like uh i don't know i'm trying to think of a good example here so like mike gesicki um, mike gesicki is a player who we think has a lot of upside but the team's drafted a potential replacement um, as he nears, you know, what could be the end of his time in Miami, we don't really know what the rest of his career looks like. I'm not going to like assign a value of an extra first round pick or even an extra second round pick to a player like that, but I would pay even more, um, for those players that have, you know, kind of proven it. The teams are committed to them. They're tied to those elite quarterbacks. So it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's only really affecting some of the tight ends there, uh, Parker. That's the way I would play it. Dave, would you do it differently? So this is kind of like my high level take generally on, on considerations like this in the overwhelming majority of cases, random scoring changes or different settings to a format do not really shift the relative weight of players within their position that much. And they generally don't shift the weight of one position relative to the others that much. That being said, the way that I approach determining it, even without digging through the data, like I normally would. And I, I make that last statement off of having tested a lot of these in different types of formats. When people have asked me questions about them in the past and kind of concluded that it's rare that you see something really make these seismic shifts. 
So the way that I conceptualize this, and this is actually something that I used to do when I was doing financial statement audits, you'd kind of think about the edge cases. So you would see a transaction that maybe, you know, looked like something that could lead to a very material like misstatement in the company's financials. And you would say like, okay, like if this transaction was an edge case and they made like this terrible error, what would that look like? Uh, how much would that throw things off? So if I'm thinking about this scoring change, maybe going from like 1.5 to two points, I would say, all right, who's the tight end that scores the most or that gets the most receptions? How much does this elevate them in this scoring system? Does that feel like it's material? And if your answer is no, which lots of times it is, then you know you don't have to worry about it. And if it is, if you're thinking about the edge cases, lots of times you're going to realize it only applies to those couple of players and you go from there. Uh, so that's just kind of my background on how I conceptualize or frame these like broader types of problems that you might have um, with with scoring changes or specific scoring settings. Uh, all right, Curtis. Um, yeah, I found. Um, I want to I want to oh. circle back real quick yep. here, Dave. Uh, circle back to make sure that we talk about Waller and Kittle. And oh just yeah. In the PPR. Yep. <clears throat> so I, I went back to our rankings here um, just to see where they would fall you know, within the context of a draft and then we'll hit, we'll just hit their ADP real quick before we go um, to the next question. So we've got Waller uh, as our composite rank um, at 21 overall uh, for PPR. So we're talking back into the second round Uh, for me specifically, I would um, to take Waller in a regular PPR leagues that high and, and in full disclosure, I'm lower than the rest of the team on Waller and Kittle in a regular PPR just because I, I, I would prefer to take the swing on a, a wide receiver or a back that I think has more of a league winning upside in that format. Whereas Kelsey is kind of almost like a, a high floor with a high ceiling pick for me in the first round. So that's my justification. Um, but so for Waller in the second round, for me to even give that any thought at all, I would need kind of those big time upside backs like uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire or Antonio Gibson, uh, even Joe Mixon, I think would all have to be off the board for me. And then probably even that um, the kind of that pseudo second tier of uh, the young, exciting uh, receivers for redraft, um, like with Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, um, some players that typically go at that two, three turn, I would want to be gone before Waller. And then I've got the same score on Kittle personally, our team's just a little bit lower on Kittle uh, with him being at 25 overall. I think some reasons in a non tight end premium, um, league to still be lower on on Kittle than Waller you know just you look at the relative strength of the other pass catchers around them within the context of the 49ers offense you know we've got Brandon Ayuk we've got Debo Samuel uh, to be excited about there and then we look over at at Vegas and you know we've spent some time on Vegas in in recent episodes talking about okay it would be cool if Henry Ruggs broke out or Brian Edwards broke out but obviously not the quality of competition there for Waller and then also for Kittle you know, it's, it's very likely we could see a quarterback change at some point um, during the season. In the uh, episode on uh, earlier this week, we talked about Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. Um, Trey Lance, I think, would potentially sneak in, you know, a few, uh, you know, red zone touchdowns with his legs, uh, take that off the top. Not that Kittle's ever been a prolific touchdown score quite yet, but I think there's some things in, in San Francisco that would lower Kittle's ceiling here. So, um, for me, Kittle's really not a thought in PPR until the middle of round three there, uh, after I fully get through, 
um, that range of, of wide receiver that I was referencing earlier. Um, Dave, for you and PPR, uh, how early are you selecting either of these tight ends? I think we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. Well, you know what? It's interesting, Curtis. And when I go through and I actually like build out my rankings and score these guys, and even just when I think about them, I really like both of them. I will say I probably do need to adjust some things because I've done about 20 drafts in the last week. And I find myself more resistant to actually go ahead and take my chance when I'm building out my teams on them. I find myself much more heavily inclined to go with the wide receivers at that point. So for me, it's really like if I'm in the third round and I have two dynamite wide receivers and then some of the other names that I like are gone, but I'm definitely not forcing them into my team. Um, it, just because there's concerns there that I don't have with Kelsey. So I think we're on the same page there. I might like both of them a little bit more than you do. Like I said, I'm excited about them, but when I'm actually going through and building my teams, I am not quite as comfortable as I am. If you just ask me to rank these players. All right, Curtis, I need a very quick answer from you here. Um, this comes from a person whose last name is Weber found your case for Rashad Penny compelling. I'm in a standard scoring league with 16 roster spots, 16 roster spots, start one quarterback, one running back two wide receiver flex defense and kicker question. Would you cut Ronald Jones for Penny? His other backs are Kamara ATN and Pollard super solid at quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah, great question. I would not cut Ronald Jones for Penny. I love Rashad Penny, um, but we are talking about, you know, an Uber upside situation. I do think that Rashad Penny's ceiling is higher than Ronald Jones uh, because he's so much better uh, from what I've seen as a pass catcher. And I think that Seattle would be still even more committed to running the ball than Tampa, just with the way that those offenses are constructed. But I think in 100, uh, 100 iterations of the 2021 season, Ronald Jones probably outscores Penny in 90 of them. And we've, we've seen Ronald Jones be, you know, a super effective running back, uh, that's really actually improved every year he's been in the league. So, um, I'm glad that uh, my case was compelling and I hope that you end up with some shares of Rashad Penny. Uh, but at the same time, um, don't cut a player like uh, Rojo uh, for him uh, quite yet. Yep. Yep. Just to kind of summarize here, I think the thing is that the compelling case for Penny really relates largely to his ADP at this point. Uh, but in a typical season, Penny needs a lot more things to work his way, I think, than Jones does uh, for Penny to outscore Jones. All right, final thinkers. These are three guys we haven't talked very much about. Could you just give me a sentence or two on these players? Um, Odell Beckham, DJ Moore, and LaVisca Chenault. Okay, Odell Beckham, I want to believe, uh, but he, he's being overdrafted when you look at where you can get Jarvis Landry for probably what's going to be very similar production. Um uh, Sean had an excellent article that talks about Landry as a uh, as a key actually to uh, rescuing uh, your draft if you start running back, running back, and uh, you know ninth round Landry versus like fifth round OBJ. Give me the, the Landry share. So not out on the player, but he's being overdrafted in 2021. Um, DJ Moore, I think is um, yeah. You know it's interesting. We you know this he's like one of the all time you know Rotoviz guys, and we haven't talked about him. 
um, too much uh, this offseason, at least not on this show. And he's being overshadowed because of the regime change in, in Carolina and, you know, Terrace Marshall coming in and, of course, Christian McCaffrey coming back. So he's just kind of getting lost in the fray. But I absolutely think he can, t- can continue to take a step forward uh, if Sam Darnold ends up being an improvement on, you know, what the team had and, and Teddy B and Cam Newton in, in recent years. Uh, then, you know, DJ Moore is going to be a big part of that. Uh, Still very much in on him in Dynasty. And I think he's going to finish as a, you know, a mid wide receiver too uh, in 2021. And we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, in the week, Dave, with LaVisca Chenault. Very exciting player, um, super dynamic, um, runs like a running back after the catch. You would think on the surface that it would be very exciting to see what he could do in a Jacksonville offense that's going to look like a, a college offense uh under urban meyer and and tied to trevor lawrence but i just think this wide receiver core is going to be pretty pretty frustrating and i wouldn't you know i I would not feel comfortable early in the season trotting uh lavisca chenault out as my wide receiver three on my team i think he's being overdrafted and you know i would love to see him fall into the i don't know like that jarvis landry range like the the ninth round um to feel more comfortable um, you know, but you, you've got to spend a lot more than that, uh, with Visca, at least at this juncture, um, anything to add on any of those players disagree vehemently on any of those takes. I have not drafted OBJ a single time. And unless he falls a round or two, I don't see it happening. Uh, if he wants to get on a Dave Cabin squad this year, he's going to have to show me something in these preseason games. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I'm off on OBJ this year. DJ Moore, I think I like his chances of finishing at least as a low end wide receiver, too. So, you know, with where he's going in ADP now, he's perfectly fair. Uh, not a player I would be overexposed to, but definitely a player I would be putting, I would be going after, you know, in the leagues that I care the most about. So I feel good about him. LaVisca Chenault, like you, I have all summer been trying to tell myself that perhaps I need to really focus more on a way that I could get more amped up for LaVisca. Head coach that I, you know, first year in the NFL, I'm not sure what to expect. First year quarterback who may be exceptional, but still there's some growing pains there. With the way this offense is going to go, it's hard for me to justify the ADP. So like you, I think we're, uh, you know, more or less in a similar place there. And that's probably the reason that we haven't talked at least about OBJ or LaVisca that much. Curtis, you know what it is, my man. It's Friday. Uh, You know, we are getting ever closer to the season starting We have a fantastic guest coming up next week. Before I forget, I'm going to remind everybody, I want to give somebody a t-shirt. It's been a a bit now. I am going to give one out soon. Leave us a message, 978-615-9214. Send in some questions for this guest. Now, Curtis, with that behind us, take us away. Yeah, this this is just a time to to celebrate uh, how close we are to the season. So, um, uh, here's, here's one word of caution. Um, you know, you know, I'm all about staying positive, uh, and I'm all about being kind and giving people the, uh, the benefit of the doubt, but let's just, let's protect ourselves from, um, assigning that positivity to meaningless preseason breakouts. There's, there's, uh, you know, as we get close to the season, I don't want people to get overly enthusiastic about a lot of players who, um, you know, win you money in preseason DFS, uh, or get a lot of airtime on ESPN because there's not much to write about when all the starters are sitting at the end of the day, what we would really like to see 
is for players uh, not taking snaps. Um, mm-hmm. Players who are not taking <laughs> snaps in the preseason are really the ones that matter the absolute most um, other than, you know, really those first year rookies that, that might actually be jostling for, for playing time. So um yeah, try to watch try to watch some of the games for yourself. I think uh, I think all of these young quarterbacks are probably appointment viewing for the rest of the preseason. So uh, earlier this week we talked about Fields and Lance and uh, you know Lawrence and and the like. We did not touch on Zach Wilson. Um, you know these are these are players that we need to be watching and we need to know how to play them in Dynasty and whether or not can be relevant in redraft. So uh, I would encourage you to to watch more than just the highlights. And also, uh, just don't get overly enthusiastic about uh, a breakout uh, in the fourth quarter of week two in the preseason. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, Thanks for stopping by.